I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, before we get started today, Jam, I need to do a shout out. Okay, sweet. I love shout outs. Today's episode was brought to you quite literally (laughs) by Catherine Nicole Photography. Oh, wow. Because I left a piece of my, a crucial piece of my recording equipment at home and had no time to go back and get it. Uh And my roommate, Nicole, who is the owner of that business, came in clutch and brought it to me. Dude, nice. And I just have to say that not all heroes wear capes (laughs) and she really saved the day and saved this episode. I love that it was, yeah, brought to you by, that's so funny. Perfect. Mm-hmm. She she brought it to me so that we could do it. So thanks, Nicole, for your help. And go check out her Instagram. She's incredibly talented and it will be worth your time. And we are both very biased in the best way. Yes. She's taken pictures of both of us many times. Mm-hmm. And we actually have booked her to take pictures of us once everything is safe again. Yeah. For the podcast art stuff. So yeah, we have like one photo her. that we keep using that's like many years old. So hopefully we'll have a new one flattering (laughs) relatively soon. Okay. So that's my shout out to Nicole. Thank you so much for bringing this podcast episode to everyone. And then today's topic is from a listener, Tori M. Nice. She's written in a lot of questions, but this one was one that I thought, Oh yes, that's so good. And I can put that together pretty quickly in the middle of a very crazy season of my school. Uh So her question was, every time I'm making tea, I wonder why my honey crystallizes. Mm. So I'm going to answer Tori's question about why it crystallizes, why some seem to crystallize more than others. Does she mean like when, so she's making hot tea? Yes. Okay. And I at first misinterpreted her question. I thought she's, she meant like every time I make tea, my honey crystallizes, but I think she meant every time I make tea, I wonder why my honey crystallizes. Oh, gotcha. So, Mm -hmm. okay. She's not putting honey in her tea. Exactly. She's, or maybe she is, but she's talking about why honey in the bottle over time eventually crystallizes. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I also misinterpreted that. I remember seeing that email and I, I read it the same way you did initially. And now I get it. I thought like, She's putting it in her tea and then it crystallizes or is she putting it in yes. iced tea and then it, uh-huh. because it's cold, it's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I thought, what does she do every time she makes tea that it recrystallizes every single time <laughs> she makes tea? Yeah. <laughs> so I was confused initially. What kind of tea but this is she is... making? <laughs> exactly. So this, this ended up being a really exciting episode to make, but initially I was confused. So we're going to answer those questions. And then we're also going to talk about why organic chemistry is the best re honey and a few other things. Hmm. Wait, can you prove that organic chemistry is the best? Um, I can't prove it. it My opinion as an organic chemist is that it is organic chemistry is key for honey being tasty and delightful. Okay. That's okay. a little better. I, was, I feel like you were kind of saying something that like was a little bit unscientific and unable <laughs> to be backed by science. No, it's definitely backed by science that organic chemistry is the reason that honey is tasty, but, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not the best. That's fair. Right. That's a subjective opinion. Okay. okay. Awesome. So we've got a lot of stuff going on today. 
First, do you remember when we talked about hand warmers? Yes, I do. And the hand warmers would go from something dissolved in a liquid to crystallizing into a solid. Right, right, right. Okay. Honey and hand warmers are going through the same or a very similar process when honey crystallizes. Oh, okay. Interesting. So there's an idea of solubility in chemistry. Mm-hmm. And different things have different amounts that they can dissolve in different solutions. So, for example, only a certain amount of salt can go into water. Mm. That's called the solubility coefficient. If you heat up water, more salt can dissolve in the water. Right, right. So if you exceed the amount of material that's dissolved in a liquid, if it's above the solubility coefficient, usually that's done by heating it up, Mm -hmm. dissolving more in it and letting it cool down without it having the opportunity to crystallize, that's known as a supersaturated solution. Okay. It's fully saturated and then some with the stuff that can dissolve in it. Right. And when you have a saturated solution, it wants to crystallize. So that's what happens with the hand warmers. We give it a nucleation site and Mm -hmm. it instantly crystallizes because it's so saturated. Right. That's what happens with when you make rock candy, you heat up that water and dissolve more and more sugar into it. And then when it cools down, it crystallizes and honey does something similar. Honey is a very saturated water solution. It's got a Ah. lot of stuff in it, but primarily water and sugar. Okay. Very saturated water solution. And so over time, the solid will start to come out of the solution and become its solid form rather than being dissolved. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. Interesting. So it's like when we made snowflakes, it's similar to the hand warmers. It's similar to making rock candy. Mm -hmm. All of those things are a crystallization of the liquid coming into the solid form or the dissolved coming out of the solution. Right. Weird. Yeah. So... That's that's it. That's why honey crystallizes uh-huh. is because it has so much sugar in it. But if you have your standard honey, mm-hmm. there's going to be lots of types of sugar in there. Right. The primary mm-hmm. types are going to be fructose and glucose. Okay. Okay. So depending on the type of flower, the nectar from the flower that's used to make the honey from the bees, there's going to be a different ratio of sugar of the different kinds of sugar. And usually you have a higher content of fructose Hmm. and fructose is very soluble in water. I think it was something like a thousand grams per milliliter. Okay. That might be wrong. I I didn't look up the, I saw the exact number, but I didn't commit it to memory, but glucose, not so much. Glucose has a much lower, like order of 10 magnitude, like times 10 or more Mm -hmm. smaller than fructose. Okay. So glucose, not very soluble. Fructose, very soluble relative to one another. Got it. So certain types of flowers will make honey. Dandelions was one of them. Will make honey that has a higher glucose content and that honey is more prone to crystallizing because Uh. the glucose can't stay dissolved as well. It has a lesser ability to be dissolved in the water. So it's more likely to come out of solution. 
So I have honey that has never crystallized and I've had it for years. And then there are some honey that crystallizes in months. Right. So you're talking like, so a dandelion, mm-hmm. bee, a bee gets that pollen and uses it to make honey and it has glu- higher glucose than if they had gotten pollen from a different flower kind of thing. Yes. I think it's the nectar rather than pollen. I don't know because I'm not a biologist right. and I did not look into how the bees make the honey. Oh, right. I guess they're really, they're often the nectar, but the pollen's like a accidental thing. They accidentally pollinate right. flowers while they're doing their own thing. Right, right. right. Sorry, that was dumb. I just, yeah, yeah. I, but that's the difference is that it's what flowers these bees are going to that ends up then being part of the honey that they make. Right. Okay, got it. So depending on the type of flower, you're going to have different ratios of components and maybe even the species B, I don't know. But it's not uniform by any means. Right. But when there is more glucose, it's more prone, prone to crystallizing. Got it. Interesting. That's so weird. They're both sweeteners, but one just has like, behaves differently like that. That's crazy. Yes. And their structures are very similar. I briefly looked into why their solubility was so different because generally with structures that similar, they will be very similar in solubility. And it has to do with the way that fructose dissolves rather than glucose. It looks like maybe it, the ring opens up a little bit and I don't know. So there are some stuff that I didn't dive too deep into because I didn't think it'd be fun to talk about on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was cool, but yeah. I didn't think people would think it was that fun. But that is pretty unique for them to seem so similar in form, but then have a very different function in terms of solubility. That's that's pretty unusual. Yeah, weird. So that's why honey crystallizes, Tori, and why sometimes honey crystallizes more than other times. That's so crazy. I just never really thought of like what that honey was just like had stuff dissolved in it. I don't know. It just never crossed my mind because it feels like a natural substance. So mm-hmm. talk about like syrup. I know like a little bit about syrup and I've made simple syrup before. So like that just seemed to make sense to me. But then I just never really thought about like what's honey? What's all in it? Is it like obviously it's viscous like syrup is, mm-hmm. but it didn't really, yeah, I never really thought about what was going on in there. That's crazy. It's made up actually of water, sugars, proteins, enzymes, organic acids, amino acids. I think that's the majority of things that are going on in there. And then some other volatile compounds. There's a lot Mm -hmm. happening in honey. It is not just one thing. It's not, here's the chemical compound for honey. That's not honey at all. It is a a very complex mixture of a lot of different things that can exist in a lot of different ratios in different types of honey, different flowers, all that stuff, different parts of the world is going to be different. And it makes sense too. Cause like there's also the side of things where it has a, such a unique taste. Like it's not just, doesn't just taste like sugar and water. Obviously you, it's not simple syrup. So there's gotta be some other thing to it. Um, it's this natural thing that's made. So it's like, yeah, it just, there's gotta be something to it like that but it's weird to think about what that is what is it that gives honey its flavor or whatever it's just right. kind of an interesting thing to think about well we're going to talk about that too don't oh, worry nice so that's the bulk of what i want to teach you in terms of chemistry today okay and the rest of it is more almost your fun facts type of stuff okay. so i think this would be a good time to stop and have you do a quick review for us okay sounds good we'll do so bees they fly different flowers, do their thing, whatever it is that they do to make honey. 
beautiful mystery. Yeah. Wow. For us at this time. Right. If only we could know. There's no way to know, obviously. No way to find out <laughs> how honey's made. But when In they the do. Papers, <laughs> they did kind of talk about it like that. They said, when honey is formed, as if. Yeah. That was just. And we don't ask questions about that. I mean, right. it was, they weren't biology papers, so I'm sure that's why, but it just made me laugh. Yeah. They were like, we got to get past the part about it being made because we're talking about once it's already made. It's like, mm-hmm. just for, forget about that part. It's another paper. Somebody mm-hmm. else is going to work on that part. We're talking about this. So the bees go to different types of flowers and that's part of where they get the sweetener, the sweet part of what becomes honey. And it could either be um, higher in fructose mm-hmm. or higher in glucose mm-hmm. to very similar sugar type uh, molecules. Mm-hmm. But the difference in them is how much of them can be dissolved into a solution mm-hmm. of water it, specifically of, of water. And so a bee gets some nectar from a flower that has a higher level of glucose than another flower. And he goes him and his friends. I can't confirm that. I don't know if the glucose is formed through their process of nectar, but through the uh, process of turning the nectar into honey or not. I just know the final honey product based on the okay. flower can have Got different it. levels of that. Okay. So somehow a bee and all his friends, they, for some reason, by some miracle of science, accidentally <laughs> make some honey that has more glucose in it than other honeys. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> gosh, this is such a funny explanation. It's so, it's a weirder one. Um, <laughs> and then John and Jane, they're picking up groceries. They grab some honey off the shelf. It happens to be that kind that has more glucose in it than other honeys. They take it home, sit in the cupboard and sitting, sitting there, you know, just still unused more time than it's being used. And over time, just like other solutions we have, we know about that have a lot of something dissolved into it, um, a lot of something dissolved into the water. Over time, slowly, the very large amount of solid stuff that is it has to be like a crystal structure already, I guess. It forms the crystal structure as it sort of settles out. We talked a lot about that process on the snowflakes episode. Right. And slowly it comes out of solution, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that was dissolved in starts to form this crystal structure. And over time, then you check in the cabinet, you've got a little plastic bear who <laughs> is full of <laughs> crystal shiny stuff that is a lot harder to put on your toast or your that biscuit. That is a great description. <laughs> I like that, the way you describe the, it comes out of solution. It's just, it's so much stuff. It just basically can't be dissolved in there anymore. Right. right and right. so it comes out and also, it makes this, this solid. This really, I think I was really helped. This idea doesn't f- feel super hard for me to, wrap my head around now that I'm learning about it for honey, because I think the, for me, the hand warmers episode really helped me see that, especially because we had Mm -hmm. an actual visual, like we got to mess with those hand warmers. Right. And literally see the crystal structure 
form and the stuff that's dissolved into that water come out of that solution and form crystal structure instead. So I feel like that like visual was huge for me. So basically it's like that happening, but way slower. Right. And probably not as hot in your hand. It's, it should still be an exothermic reaction though. Hmm. That wouldn't be, I mean, it's not, it definitely wouldn't be as hot though, right? No, definitely not. But it still should be, it has the same principle. It just isn't as hot because it doesn't happen so rapidly. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay. Good job, Jam. That's a great explanation of why honey crystallizes. That felt like much of that was very (laughs) non-scientific. I was like telling a story. So there's a bee. His name is Jacob. (laughs) Jacob, wow. Does he ever love making honey? (laughs) Tell you what, one day, Jacob, like what if I just started making them all little kids books, kids stories? (laughs) That would be a fun little kid book to explain how honey is made. Okay. Trademark register. Don't steal our kid book idea. Guys, seriously, this time we're not going to, we don't have the, we're not going to file any documents with the government and stuff like that, but just can we have like an honor system on this one? We have a recording documenting our idea right here, right now. Absolutely. I don't know if that'll hold up, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's great. That's the main lesson that I wanted to teach today, but I had some other things that I thought were interesting and fun and relevant. So I think we a lot of people have this idea that honey doesn't go bad and mm-hmm. you just throw it up on your shelf and it just stays the same forever. And mm-hmm. it maybe crystallizes and it maybe doesn't, but it just stays there and it doesn't go bad. In reality, honey sitting on your shelf is slowly going through chemical reactions. Mm. I guess that's true to some degree for any food that's sitting in your shelf, but that this is chemical reactions that aren't, Typically because of bacteria. So a lot of times bacteria breaks food down or whatever. Just the components of honey are slowly interacting with one another. Because there's a lot going on in honey on its own, regardless Mm -hmm. of like bacteria or something like that. It's already got stuff happening. Right. And one thing I read said that there's very little bacteria due to the acidity and the low water content. I did not get a scientific reference on that. Could not support it, but that makes logical sense to me. Yeah. So you got your honey, it's slowly reacting. And a reaction that it's doing, you might recognize, is between sugars and amino acids. Mm-hmm. The Maillard reaction. Whoa. Is weird. taking place slowly over time between the amino acids and the sugars that are in honey. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And they're forming a byproduct called, or a product along the, the way, called 5-hydroxymethylfurfural. So that, you don't have to remember it, it's shortened as 5-HMF. Mm-hmm. That little molecule has great properties. It's an anti-allergen. So what you've heard about honey is true. It's an antioxidant, but it can also be toxic. Hmm. Over time, the amount of 5-HMF in honey is slowly increasing. Whoa. So the way that standard, standardized to check if honey is fresh or not is based on the percent of of the 5-HMF in the honey solution. Huh. 
So it's, it's interesting to me that it's both good and bad, that it can be an antioxidant and anti-allergen. It had a few other things listed, but it also is toxic and can have negative ramifications in other ways. Isn't that wild? <laughs> that's so wild. Yeah, that's weird. Is there any, like, I, I know you're probably hesitant to say anything definite, but like, was there any suggestion about how long-ish the average, like, sample of honey could become toxic? No, because a lot of that myriad reaction depends on, was it treated with heat? How long is it stored? Is it consistently heated? So is it, are you crystallizing, heating it up, crystallizing, heating it up? Because that heat will speed up the reaction, you know? Yes. So there's a lot of things that go into play for that. But I think we should just go ahead and get rid of the idea that honey never goes bad. Yeah. And one study on the volatile acids in honey, which are safe, but found that the percentage stayed about the same. And then after 20 months or so, it started increasing Yeah, the percentage of acid. So there seemed to be a marked after roughly 20 months of, of two honey samples stored the same exact way. I believe there was an increase in the acidity after this time. So it was stable, 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 and then started to increase. So that's, that's the only time frame situation that I saw. And 20 months is still a lot longer than most things that we yeah. deal with. So. Oh, for sure. I feel like most people who might like use honey on a regular basis would either use it all in that time or would crystallize and they might not like bother with it. Like I know right. I've gotten to where like I have a little, like maybe like a third of the bottle left and it crystallizes and I don't just, I just throw it away. It's like, I don't really want to. You can heat-, heat it back up. Well, sometimes the bottle says, don't heat this bottle. Because mm, of the, the plastic. Bottle. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want plasticky weirdness getting in mm-hmm. the honey. So I just toss it. But a lot of times we, we use it before. So I feel like, right. yeah, 20 months, it's a long time. Well, that was the only time range I saw. But but maybe you can check with the Codex Alimentarius, which is an international organization that defines the authenticity of honey and other foods, uh-huh. and it establishes the identity and essential qualities required for honey intended for direct human consumption. So wow. that's who's looking out for you. Maybe you can go check their annual publication and see. <laughs> so if you open your cupboard and you're 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 thinking, man, my honey's been here for a while. You can call <laughs> you can call one eight hundred C O D E X A Q I D A. What was the other word? <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. I was so it's. Al- alimentarius a-l-i-m-e-n perfect easy mm-hmm. to remember 100 codex alimentarius to ask them about your honey that's exactly right <laughs> also don't be mad at us codex alimentarius we're just playing around with you okay yeah. thanks for doing what you do thanks for doing what you do so that was kind of fun and the, their honey standards and honey laws put into place based on those standards by this company or this organization, I guess is more accurate. That's I think affiliated with the world health organization and the United Nations. So that's cool. <laughs> Sweet. And they did, there was a report that came out about honey tampering that said the most common forms of honey tampering are the addition of cheap sweeteners. Oh, yikes. So then your other option is honeybees fed with sucrose. That's honey tampering. Mm. So those are the two most common forms of honey tampering. So it's good that, there's some people out there putting some standards in place for us. Seriously. So they're trying to stop that from happening, right? So that, does that mean that most of us can feel good about the honey we're buying? Like, at least it's not I like... I think so. Artif- I mean, it's probably... I know there's like raw honey or like local honey and stuff like that, but like just regular old grocery store honey, We, if these guys are able to 
crack down and set standards that our honey's hopefully not being juiced. <laughs> not positive because okay. it could be that by feeding the bees, the sucrose it still is like considered whatever. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I have a friend at the FDA. We have a friend of the podcast at the FDA. So maybe we can touch base with him and see if he knows if, if that's true. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Last but not least, organic chemistry is the best. Because asterisk. honey, asterisk, <laughs> opinion, hot takes by Melissa, <laughs> organic chemistry is the best. Honey is acidic and it's acidic due to enzymes that honeybees secrete when they turn the nectar into honey through some magical process. Mm-hmm. And those enzymes break the sugar down into organic acids. And those acids contribute to flavor and color and can even be used to determine the origin of the honey. Whoa. I know. So organic chemistry contributes to honey and all the sugars. That's, those are all organic mm-hmm. structures as well, carbon-based structures. All of that tasty and deliciousness is brought to you by organic chemistry. I love organic chemistry. Thank you, organic chemistry, <laughs> for the delicious flavors you provide for us. <laughs> <laughs> They, organic chemistry definitely has some serious territory. They're like, we'll take uh, uh, sugars, we'll take flavors, we'll take... We'll take soap. Soap, yeah, we've, they've, they've got a lot of the good stuff. Yeah, organic chemistry is awesome, and it's everywhere, it's all around us. And it doesn't seem that anyone taking the class realizes that. And that's actually <laughs> my research. I'm doing a presentation today. This, this blends really well into my happy thing for the week, so oh, I'm nice. just going to combine this all into one. Perfect. My research is on why students seem to hate organic chemistry Hmm. and that there's this disconnect in classroom organic chemistry that's seen as terrible and awful and everyone wants to drop out of it. Mm -hmm. And it has terrible drop withdrawal failure rates compared to the organic chemistry that we talk about on this podcast. That's interesting and applicable and everywhere that educators see organic chemists see, but students somehow that's not the reputation that organic chemistry has before it. The reputation is notorious. So right. my happy thing for this week is I have completed my proposal mm-hmm. on that research, proposing that research as a study. And I present it to my committee in four days. <laughs> and then I will be done with that part of my education. I'll have passed my qualifying exams. Hopefully I pass <laughs> and mm-hmm. be able to move into the next phase of focusing fully on research and finishing my PhD. So that's really exciting. Nice. Awesome. Dude, that's great. Very good news. It's also, I'm very tired and I had no time to go home and get the piece of recording equipment that I missed <laughs> today. So, so that's a, that was a fun transition. So that was my, that's my week in review and my, I love honey and organic chemistry <laughs> soapbox for today. Nice. What about you? How's your week been? So my week has been good. Uh, I kind of struggle with something cool to talk about. So I'll talk about something that's arguably less cool. But there's a show I love that, I mean, there's nothing like finding a show that you love. You know what I mean? And there's also nothing like finding a show that you love and then getting other people to also love it. Ooh, yeah, that feels good. So there's a show called Dark. I definitely want to <laughs> shout it out because this show doesn't get enough love, honestly. And I've been trying to get attention on it since like 2017 and 
I've been trying to get my brothers to watch it also forever. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching the third season with some friends uh, remotely, which has been so fun. It's the third and final season. So that's huge. Whenever it's like any show, you know, it's the last season and you're watching it and you're trying to pace yourself and stuff. And it's fun to watch it with other people. Mm -hmm. So that's been very cool. We have not finished it yet. We have two episodes left. But just to say, definitely check out Dark. The pitch is that they planned three seasons before they ever filmed anything. And wow. so it's like this three season long story that they had, you know, planned and intricately woven together from the beginning, which is very rare, I think. Yeah. And I like a good ending. I'm tired of TV shows going on past their prime. Totally. Absolutely. So, but the biggest highlight is that I was able to get my younger brother to actually finally watch it. Wow. And he got very into it. So his wife and kid were visiting some family and he was not able to go. So he was just home alone for like five days. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, this is weird, but also I could maybe do some stuff I can't normally do that doesn't make sense for me to do in this phase of my life, like Binger's TV show. And, That's exciting. And so he watched all of the first season, was texting me all the time during it. And was like, what? What just happened? And like, what does this mean? And like, I just saw the part. Don't tell me anything. But like, what the heck? Like That's he'd ask so questions, funny. but be like, don't tell me. And you know, and then he burned through the second season, like the next week. Wow. Pretty fast. So he definitely got, you know, he got hooked. My male roommate, I live with a couple, he got really into it. And so always in the background of me prepping for my proposal week was this German, yeah, whatever. And then he and some of our other friends got my boyfriend to do it. And now he's oh, listening. Good. So that's also still, now that my roommate's finished, now it's transitioned. So it's just dark has been in the background of my life for about a month now. <laughs> Dude, that's perfect. I got to talk to your BF about dark. Man, I cannot wait. I actually told your male roommate about it before and I don't think he was disinterested. He just probably didn't have room for mm -hmm. it, but I'm glad he finally got into it. So anyway, all I have to say, it's so fun. It's especially when there's types of shows. There's some shows that you just have to talk about, yeah. especially if there's like a lot going on. Mm -hmm. There's mysteries, there's questions. This one's full of those. And so it makes it really fun when other people watch it. And Okay, I'll watch it. Jeez. Dude, oh my gosh. <laughs> You have to. I can't tell for sure if you'll end up hating it, disliking it, but it's in the sci-fi realm and it's got incredible acting and great writing. So I'm sorry, but I can ramble on that forever, but I'll just leave it and say, show's great. Love when people watch a show that you love. And uh, if you have some room, give this show, Dark, on Netflix some love. Well, thanks so much, Dan, for telling us all about Dark and for coming and learning about how great organic chemistry is yet again. Thanks to all of you listeners as well. We love you guys so much. We could not do this without you. And thank you for teaching us. Melissa and I have a lot of ideas for topics of chemistry in everyday life, just like honey, which a listener named Tori suggested. Shout out Tori. But we want to hear from you. Some, some of these ideas are so awesome that you guys send. So if you have questions or ideas, you can reach out to us on Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Chem for Your Life. That's Chem, F-O-R, your life, to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, go to ko-fi.com slash chemforyourlife and donate the cost of a cup of coffee. If you aren't able to donate, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us to be able to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. 
References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to A. Kalini and N. Newell, who reviewed this episode.